welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Bianca Bellantoni of Bellantoni. So welcome to the show, Bianca. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. Uh, So my name is Bianca Bellantoni, and I own a sustainable fashion brand based in Vancouver called Bellantoni, uh, which I started back in 2017, and I have been running it since then, and uh, we currently sell our sustainable women's wear clothing online, but also have our pieces in uh, about 20 stores across Canada as well. Oh, nice. So cool. Um, So there's lots I want to ask you about, but let's kind of start at the beginning. Um, Do you have like a background in the fashion industry or what brought you into um, starting a fashion brand and a sustainable one at that? Sure. Um, So I do have a background in fashion design, uh, but my journey started back in 2012. Um, I was going to school in Vancouver and kind of wasn't sure if I wanted what I wanted to do with the degree I was in. So I, um, I wanted to do something a bit more creative. And at that time, I kind of discovered that fashion design could be this kind of way that I could make my career a more creative one. Um, So at that time, I applied to different schools uh, in Vancouver and Toronto, and then I got into Ryerson University, which is now the Toronto Metropolitan University. Um, So 2012, I moved to Toronto, and then I did my fashion design degree. um, And how I got into sustainability was from um, my first year at Uh, in university there. Um, We had a class that kind of exposed us to how the industry was affecting the planet and the people working within the supply chains and animals. And it was uh, very eye-opening and very tragic to learn about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was kind of deciding like, oh, should I still be in this industry if there's, they've just exposed all of these terrible things that the industry is creating or Mm -hmm. do I stay in it and maybe find a way that I could navigate it in a more sustainable manner and that is what I ended up doing and at the time it was um, it wasn't as big there were people that were doing sustainable fashion or using like organic cottons and dead stock but it wasn't that big so it was just like I was taking in a lot of information and trying to see what I could do in that space. And then when I graduated, I worked for um, an outerwear brand that focused on vegan outerwear uh, for about a year. And then um, my then boyfriend, now husband at the time, um, we had an opportunity to move back to Vancouver in 2016. And then I decided that this would be a good time for me to start my, my own brand and like do it the way that I wanted to do it with sustainable materials and manufacturing locally. And it just, then I just went for it and I created an online store and launched a sustainable brand and did eco fashion week all in the same year. And 
yeah, I've just been trying to continue promoting the brand and educating people about it. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of my my long story. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you make it sound like so simple. You're like, I went to school, you know, (laughs) I saw saw what I wanted to do differently industry and I moved back, you know, and started a brand. And but I know it's never that simple. So um, for I, I want to kind of dig in a little bit more to pieces of that story. So yeah. kind of first off, what were some of the maybe like eye opening things that you learned in that class about the fashion industry and its impact that you're like, oh, no, like what what industry am I getting into? Um, yeah. Um, I, I mean, they they showed like videos of water streams in Asia that were changing color based on the latest color of the year Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. fashion. And I was like, and these were waterways that people who lived there were using for their drinking water, just in their everyday use. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there were showing videos of like cotton farmers and then in like small towns in India, like certain cotton farmers were getting brain tumors and it was like a high number of them in that area. So just like seeing little things like that, um, how the dyes are being spilled into the waterways, um, all the waste that goes into the industry and yeah, just learning different ways to design. Cause also in that course, they, they were showing different ways that you could be sustainable and teaching us about different fabrics. So like, learning about organic fabrics versus conventional, like organic cotton versus conventional cotton or learning about polyester. And then that there's just how it's made from oil and how it uses a lot of resources. So just kind of learning about all of it, Um, Mm -hmm. but also seeing that there was a light, that there were other ways that we could do it. Um, But it does limit as a designer, the, fabrics you can use and the types of designs you can do like I originally wanted to do evening wear and lace and stuff but like there weren't that's hard to get for that (laughs) yeah yeah so I was like oh I guess I can't do this but yeah I think just yeah learning all the different ways that it's affecting the planet and the people working within it yeah definitely so you you mentioned that you were almost like should I go into this industry so what kind of what was kind of that light where you still made you want to study fashion and start your own brand in fashion kind of knowing what you're getting into then yeah I think it was, um, I think I remember I had like one conversation with my mom that was like, like, well, there's another option instead of not doing it, like you could find a way to do it sustainably or a different way. And I or just seeing it differently instead of so black and white. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think from there, I just started doing more research on other options for sustainability within the industry. And um there were um, other students who were interested in sustainable fashion. So like throughout the years, we would, um, I think that the following year was when the Rana Plaza collapse was, and then mm-hmm. we started, there was the whole fashion revolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that kind of started and I just kind of like 
jumped into that uh, space and just helped trying to spread the word and it it felt very meaningful and it felt like okay there's like other people on board with making change and it just felt like um it was possible so I think having other students and have being around other people that were um had a similar interest that I did in the sustainable fashion space I think that that helped me to continue to go and drive towards that mm-hmm. I love that. It was almost the community around you and the timing and just realizing like, okay, kind of come to this precipice of we have to do better and there are ways to do better. And you wanted to be a part of that, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, yeah. So yeah. So you worked for an, an outerwear brand and vegan outerwear. So I'm, so with that, I'm curious, like what type of material? So obviously not leather, but then being vegan, you were also kind of wool was off the table. Is that right? Yeah. So they were trying to be an alternative to Canada goose. Mm -hmm. So not using down because of the feathers and it not being vegan. Um, So they were using Primaloft and I, it wasn't fully sustainable at the time. I think now they have like, more sustainable options but while I was working there they were looking at uh, like blue sign recycled polyester Mm -hmm. so there was they kind of when I joined they had already launched their first product line and then I was kind of helping them with sourcing um, new fabrics and then tweaking their designs and helping design new ones Um, but yeah so they were like outerwear puffer style jackets mm-hmm. um and then primaloft and then polyester and i think now they use recycled polyester oh nice cool yeah so when you decided to start your own brand kind of what was the kind of concept behind that and what kind of went into the decision to start your own brand was that something that you always wanted to do yeah i i think so so I think when I, I think I just wanted to be a designer when I was going into the industry. I wanted to be a fashion designer and be creative. And then um, what drew me to start my own business, I think when I was working for the outdoor company, like they were a startup essentially. So I got to see what the, the startup space was like and mm-hmm. um, just what it was like to build something from the ground up. And I was kind of like, oh, like, I could do this and have an online store and like, you don't have to have a brick and mortar store to, to become a designer and just seeing um, those types of opportunities show up at the time. So I think that kind of showed me that it was possible uh, to do that. And I was still designing stuff on the side, like throughout school, I'd put my clothes in multiple fashion shows each year and just like, trying to get exposure of the brand like prior to even launching it Uh and then when I actually launched I I made it less design like less um like extravagant design I Mm -hmm. guess or more commercial um stuff that people want to buy yeah so and then I I launched because I already had an Instagram and such um and then yeah I just I created a website and put the products up and then 
um, did Eco Fashion Week and then um, just tried to keep making connections from there. So I think like just being able to see another smaller startup, like start their own business from scratch and just being around that, I think it probably unintentionally inspired me to do the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that totally makes sense. What were some of the things that like you took from that experience or gained from that experience of like, okay, here are the things that I need to do to start my own brand. Cause I think oftentimes, especially for designers who are going into it because they love to design, there's so much more, as I'm sure you know, being a business for five years now that to run a business <laughs> takes more than just like, you're yeah. not actually designing all the time. Um, so were there certain kind of skills or things that you you took from that experience working for the startup brand that really gave you a, a better picture of what it was like to start your own business? Um, I mean, I was doing mainly the design side and they were doing the business side. Mm -hmm. But I think even just this mindset of like just going for it and and doing everything that you can and just like putting yourself out there. Like they were putting their brand out there. They were trying to make connections, make partnerships and kind of that relationship building. And um, yeah, I think the entrepreneurial mentality, like I was surrounded by that and I felt that and I liked that. And I, mm -hmm. I think that helped a lot that I didn't. And I think, yeah, I like, I didn't have that business background so I had to learn a lot from just doing it mm -hmm. I think I just kind of jumped into it I think um, sometimes that's how it has to be yeah we, oh you could overthink yourself out of things so. exactly I'm glad I just went for it yeah same here it's like if you knew yeah. what you were getting into you probably would have overthought it and got a little been a little more hesitant but it's like you can figure it out as you go yeah so you mentioned kind of building connections several times. Um, are there ways that you intentionally do that? And what kind of connections are you building? Um, I think, I mean, at the beginning, like when I moved back to Vancouver, I like signed up for meetups and would go attend events and just meet different people. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times they were other entrepreneurs, not necessarily in fashion um, and just being around other people that are starting their own business or maybe someone that's like two years in and doing it full time or like people in different areas of their business journey. Um, I also joined um, a sustainable fashion group within Vancouver. And then in Toronto, I was um, just throughout school, like I was saying before, how I was part of that sustainable fashion group. So just mm -hmm. you're just meeting a bunch of different people um, and then later on, like one girl I went to school with, she now has an online store or she started one back in 2016. And then she bought a bunch of pieces from me because she knew me and my designs. So it was I had a partnership because of a friendship I had made throughout university and being in the same space. Mm -hmm. um, and then now she has another online store and she's she always partners with me and we partner together on different things because we've had that um I guess connection from school mm -hmm. um 
yeah it's just there's just meeting different people even like podcasts like this like now I know about you and the work you do and then Mm -hmm. and vice versa it's it's just yeah and it's it's so nice to meet different people and hear their stories as well Mm -hmm. yeah I totally agree that's why I do this podcast it's (laughs) so fun to connect with different different business owners and fashion and just like hear their stories and it's I think sometimes entrepreneurship can be isolating especially as a small you know a smaller business and then realizing oh you have so mm-hmm. much in common with these other people that you get to talk to and make connections with or you have common goals for where you want to see the fashion industry grow and it's really fun to to kind of have that community yeah I I totally agree <laughs> it definitely feels that way at the beginning when you're an entrepreneur it's like especially if I found for me, I had a lot of people in my, my life that were doing nine to five jobs. And I, it's just so different than when you're an entrepreneur, like you're working longer hours or random hours, or it's just, um, and everything kind of falls on yourself. Like if you're not feeling so good that day, like things kind of take a halt. So it's just, it's very um, cool to meet other people that are entrepreneurs or in a similar field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the only one in my in my family that it is like self-employed and not doesn't have the traditional nine to five. So it was a yeah a different a different look or a different way of working compared to the people directly around mm-hmm. me. Yeah, good for you. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it was a huge. It was probably like the scariest decision of my life to like quit my job and start yeah. a business. <laughs> but like I said it's like yeah. if you, you know if you overthink it then it's like you'll never do it so yeah and I feel like that's a normal feeling it's not that like romanticized like visuals we see on social media of like entrepreneurship it's like usually there's moments where you're like ah we have to make a decision or it's like kind of scary to do mm-hmm. these bigger steps but I don't know that's how we grow mm-hmm. exactly did you, did you have any kind of like hesitations of, you know, either starting your business or in things since starting your business um, that you kind of had those moments? And if so, like, what do you do to kind of decide what to do and move through that and, and grow into something bigger? Yeah, I definitely have had that. Um, I think when I started my brand, I was just excited and like very driven. I was like, I am doing this and nothing's stopping me. Mm-hmm. And I, I just went for it. But then as, as you go, it's like trying to figure out like moving into selling products wholesale. And, and when I started my brand, I did it in a way that was um, less risky in a sense and that I knew how to pattern draft and sew Mm -hmm. so I was doing all the production for Mm -hmm. everything like I didn't have any seamstresses I didn't have and like I I learned all of that in school and grading and everything Mm -hmm. but obviously that's not as efficient as if you're going with a production company but I think it like as I met different production companies and learned their minimums I think like getting to a place where I could get a whole collection made for me and making that jump was scary because um yeah it's just um meeting the minimums of the production companies 
without having orders or making doing a lot of sales so that I have enough orders I think just that whole process like really helped me grow Mm -hmm. and um it was scary at times even just like because you're seeing your money go and you're like oh is this like you haven't sold it yet so it's, Mm -hmm. it's just um learning to deal with that like I think even just in entrepreneurship like you're you're investing in the hopes to get the returns and you have the plans for the returns but just it's that whole process can be scary sometimes Mm -hmm. in any business (laughs) yeah it's like putting putting all your your hopes and your money on the line and and for an invest for a you know a payoff that is uncertain and down the road can be super scary yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but you did it totally. and it's obviously uh, I'm assuming going well since it's you said you started in 2017 so it's been five years now yeah nice yeah it's going good <laughs> well congrats on that that's a big accomplishment thank you mm-hmm. um so I saw on your website like you talk about being kind to animals and the planet and we've talked a little bit about sustainability already but I'd, I'd love to know, like, what are some practical ways that you are being kind to animals and the planet in what you do with Bell and Tony? Yeah. Um, so I think for starters, just with the fabric selection, I try to choose fabrics that have a certification. So like if it's organic cotton, it I make sure it's uh, got certified, so the Global Organic uh, Textile Standard. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm using tensile, making sure it's um, by the branded lensing tensile. So because I'm not flying to different parts of the world to get fabric, like having the certification is like that stamp of approval that mm-hmm. makes it so that it is more sustainable and trustworthy. Um, as much as it can be um and then I think like manufacturing locally like I'm not getting it getting the product shipped to different areas like having ordering fabric from one area getting it shipped to a different part of the world having it manufactured and then bringing it here Mm -hmm. um and I'm like a five minute drive from the production team or if I sew stuff in house it's all locally um and then the packaging we use I I use um, recycled polymailers and they're made from, uh, I think it's 95% recycled materials. Um, And then if I'm sending boxes, like when I sell to to retailers, I'll have uh, like a a cardboard box and then I'll make sure I use like the craft tape. So just like little things as to be as sustainable as I can, or even like our our hang tags are 100% recycled. Uh, paper and then use like hemp twine to tie them instead of like a polyester rope so just Mm -hmm. um the material selection and then manufacturing locally um and then I also keep all of our fabric scraps and um prior to COVID I was making pet beds um and then giving them to shelters but um uh they don't accept those anymore so now I I recycle all of my fabric scraps with a company called FabCycle so they you can pay to have your scraps recycled by them and they uh either resell them or um yeah <laughs> so. that's really cool they're like the fabric mm. recycling places is a really 
great way because there always is a little bit of cut waste left left over even if you're making like small accessories or trying to you know make the designs as efficient as possible but having an option for kind of the tiny little scraps pieces to recycle those mm-hmm. it's nice to not have to throw things away I always hate like throwing things away so I also save my scraps yeah yeah like find other things you can make with it or Mm -hmm. like that's what I do with the scrunchies it's if I if we have extra scraps from like a shirt or something like there's enough fabric there to make a couple scrunchies so Mm -hmm. finding ways to be creative yeah definitely so what are some of the um, challenges of being a sustainable brand and maybe some of like the creative interesting things you be you've been able to do with that you know maybe limitation or with that value um i think some of the challenges are um i mean as a smaller brand i like i'm not producing as many pieces as say like a, a bigger company would mm-hmm. so fabric options are limited mm-hmm. um i'll try and find suppliers that have a smaller amount like just buy like one roll or 50 meters but um if I like I was looking at getting uh sea cell fabric so it's um like seaweed and kind of like tensile Mm -hmm. um but their minimums were like 300 meters so it just get it trying to just being a bit more limited with the fabric options um and then designing within that I think that has been or can be a challenge Uh, at least at the beginning there were less options now there's a bit more which is kind of fun um but trying to design within that like you could have an idea for let's say a top you want to design and then um you look at the fabric options and either they're the fabric's not the best quality or it's not the right color or it's um, the price point is too high for for my customer. So it's just kind of being creative and working with what's available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's like a main limitation, but it can also be an opportunity as well. So it's however you look at it. Yeah, I agree. Where like it can feel <laughs> limiting, but it can also be kind of the basis for creative creativity and being really resourceful with what you have um I think you can like often be inspired by the like okay here's what I have to work with what can I make that you know is the best best most interesting like beautiful product from the available materials totally (laughs) so what are some of the um must-haves for like when you're choosing fabrics for your collection, like I know you mentioned sustainable and you know the right you know MOQs from the mill, but are there other things in terms of just like the feel or the function of the fabric that you're looking for when you're finding fabrics for your brand? Mm-hmm. Um, I always look to make sure the fabric's not see-through. That's a huge mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then like the quality so I'll get samples from the supplier and then I'll throw them in the laundry and see how they wash because you don't want to be selling something that's going to pill after a few washes um 
So really the, the durability of the fabric. And then I like choosing fabrics that are softer. Like I just opt for those. Like I've, I've made something with like a canvas fabric for a pant as a sample, but like, I just usually gravitate to things that are a bit softer and like feel good on your skin. Um, so that's usually a, a big factor. Like, yeah, how soft the fabric is and then durability and, and the quality. Like that's the main main thing mm-hmm. yeah it makes sense it's I mean who doesn't want to wear something that's soft and comfortable and and yeah. also holds up right? well <laughs> so it looks beautiful after it's been washed and worn yeah so what does your design process look like so you know, we're kind of talking more about the business side and and then fabrics but in terms of the pieces you're designing um kind of what is your inspiration for those and do you like develop in collections or individual pieces? How does how does your design process work? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's shifted a bit over the years. Um, like when I first started, I made way too many designs <laughs> for what I should have done. I think that's that's um, common. And I kind of <laughs> had it from there. <laughs> yeah, and then I really um, now I look at like what I want for my brand and for my business is to have pieces that really work together almost like as if my whole collection and what I keep each year is uh, like a capsule collection Mm -hmm. so you could shop from like one pair of pants and it goes with all of the different tops available so for my design processes now I kind of just I look at what I have in the collection and then what's missing and what um, if I have customers that are asking for certain things like dresses like I used to have a few dresses and right now we don't have any available so it's seeing where there's gaps in the collection in the capsule wardrobe per se and um, and then designing from there so when I do the actual design I'll it depends on the fabric availability again um sometimes I can have an idea for a design and I, I'll go on Illustrator and just mock up a whole bunch of different types of designs and different styles. And then looking at the fabric availability and then also the price of the fabric and then seeing how much, now that I've worked with production companies, seeing how much I think they would price out the, the how much it would cost to produce each item mm-hmm. and then like tweaking that, like for example, like doing a button down is actually easier and cheaper for the production company than doing a zipper so just looking at different ways that I can also make it more efficient for the production team and then get the cost lower for the the customer in the end so it's kind of a bit of everything a bit of the design and creativity but also the practical business aspect it's definitely come into play a lot more Mm -hmm. (laughs) over the years yeah and and that's always it's always smart to, I think, do things that way where it's like you're considering, again, it's kind of like looking at the limitations and looking at what you have to work with and designing with all of that in mind, not just not just the beauty of the finished product, but like you said, the price point and the production and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. So I know you said you were kind of doing everything at first and now you're working with a production company. So what has that looked like throughout the years you've been running the brand and what pieces of the process are you doing now versus what pieces are you outsourcing? 
Yeah. Um, so if I'm working with a production company, it's usually like six months before I would launch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, um, so what I'll do is I'll make the pattern and the first mock-up, first sample. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I've kind of tweaked it, like as much as I can, I'll bring it to uh, the production team. And it's it's one lady and she has her own team and she does all the pattern making. So she'll digitize it for me. And then she will um, see if there's any tweaks to be made to my sample. Mm -hmm. And then she'll have her seamstresses produce a sample. And then I'll come in with a fit model and we will try it on, make any more tweaks. And then once it's ready to go and they've made the sample with the actual fabric, then uh, we'll go into production. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of how that process works. And then depending on how complicated the style is, it's like two to three weeks turnover and and depending the quantity um and then it's per style um but I also because I contracted out to her like she also does a lot of the contract work for other small brands within Vancouver Mm -hmm. so it's also like figuring out timing so that like if I have wholesale orders I'm like securing a slot within her schedule so that she can deliver it to me and then also all the other brands. So it's there's a lot of logistics and planning involved mm-hmm. with that. Um, so I'll usually get like the more difficult items produced just because it's it's quite time consuming as one person versus uh, a production team where there's different people doing different parts of the of the garment. Yeah, for sure. Um, but for stuff that I yeah <laughs> stuff that I still produce, like I'll do the scrunchies and accessories because those. I can easily do myself and then also um, we have our our turtlenecks so those are priced at a point where I just sell them online and I don't sell them to retailers so they're a bit lower Mm. Um, and then I just produce all of those as they come in so I I don't have leftover stock because there's also the issue if you're producing everything and then making sure you sell through and you don't want to waste product Mm -hmm. and fabric so yeah. Yeah, so you're kind of doing a little bit, it sounds like, of a lot of things in terms of, like, sewing some things yourself, having some things made at this production company, selling wholesale and retail. How do you balance all Mm -hmm. of that and both the timelines and just the costing aspect um, and your own time and energy kind of navigating all of those? Because each one it's kind of a little bit of a different process and, and a way to go about it and, and plan all of that. Yeah, it can definitely be a lot mm-hmm. at times. Um, but I think like there's for retailers, like there's certain buying seasons. So there's certain like twice a year, I know the buying window. Mm-hmm. So when, so just kind of plan, I plan the collections based around that. So like, and it kind of works out. So in the springtime, like I'll be looking at what I'm wearing during that spring or what I could include for the following year mm-hmm. so that I can um, have like six months to design and then and then propose them to retailers. And then um, I, I recently switched from Squarespace to Shopify to make my life easier and get more they have a lot more apps that help automate things Mm. and just um really optimizing my website so that I don't it it can 
work for me, not against me, kind mm-hmm. of alongside me. So just looking at different ways to automate things. Um, and then I do have help from uh, a girl in Ontario, and she has been helping me with email newsletters, and she'll write blog posts for me. Um, and she also helps a lot with the website conversion. Um, so I do have some help there, um, just with like any of the digital things so that I can focus on design. But yeah, it's hard to, it can be tough to juggle, especially if they're all, all the deadlines are around the same place, but I try to manage it just based on like the buying windows. And then when brands usually launch like spring, summer or fall, winter, and then I also, I have smaller collections or smaller, like one-off pieces that I'll launch. So just to make it a bit more um, easier for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So having having a lot of, sounds like just a lot of planning that you're doing in order to stay on track with those um, kind of buying windows and then shipping windows. And then kind of fitting in little little mm-hmm. projects and drops between those. Yeah. Nice. So what are you, um, I'd love to know kind of what is a day in your life look like? Like what are you spending your, your days working on on a typical day in the brand? Um, so it kind of depends, I guess, on what's do um but like for example today I have um some orders of turtlenecks so I'm gonna spend a chunk of the afternoon just sewing and getting those orders ready to go and mail them out um and then usually mornings I try to do any kind of like decision making or admin things that I kind of don't want to do but just to because I know that my brain is fresh in the morning and I'll have the most clarity to make those decisions. Um, And then, I mean, like, again, it depends on what's due at the time. If, if it's like when it was, um, we were in the process of doing the website, like I would just spend a huge chunk of the day working on that. And then I usually keep afternoons for sewing and any kind of orders. Mm -hmm. So I guess like any computer stuff in the day and then take a break and then do any of the, the orders in the afternoon is like the standard typical day I guess mm-hmm. but anything can change <laughs> like if I'm meeting with the production team um, like it depends on her availability like it could be 10 in the morning or I might have to go pick it up or like she, she lived me- near me so like she would drop it off so it's just kind of being flexible mm-hmm. as well yeah that makes sense so are you like kind of trying to time block then to kind of keep, okay, a whole chunk of the afternoon is for this task and the morning is for this task or? Yeah, I try to. Because mm-hmm. um, I find just switching from task to task or even different roles. Because as an entrepreneur starting out, you're usually doing multiple roles. So I, I try to keep it like to two per day (laughs) just so it's it's more manageable and and then you're more focused and get in the flow you're not like jumping from like working on the website to like putting together bills or something Mm -hmm. yeah I try to do the same today was a podcast day and cutting some samples between between recordings so nice (laughs) yeah batch working Mm -hmm. 
Yep. So I think it's on your website. You also do some like speaking and some uh, like talking to, to different groups of students about sustainable fashion. Um, can you tell tell us a little bit more about that? Like what, what do you like to talk about? And um, yeah, what are some of the places where you've gotten to speak about what you do? Yeah. Um, so the last couple of years, I've uh, spoken to UBC students. Uh, they don't have a, a fashion program there, but they have uh, like a group of students who are interested in sustainable fashion and they'll do clothing swaps and such. So they've asked me to speak a couple of times um, once prior to COVID. So I went in person and presented a whole PowerPoint, just kind of, it was almost like a sustainable fashion one-on-one PowerPoint that I put together that went over the different fabrics, um, cool innovative fabrics like mushroom leather and like apple leather. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually ending with ways that people can choose to shop more sustainably or like re-fall in love with their own wardrobe or mending and just different ways you can be sustainable based on your budget, whether it's free or you have some extra money to invest in like a, a sustainable clothing brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll usually, I'll usually share that depending on the level of knowledge, um, but that's kind of what I've been sharing. And then uh, when I was still in Toronto, I presented on uh, zero waste when I was still in school and I uh, presented to the first years because I was doing a whole project on uh, the three different ways you can have zero waste fashion. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So was your like final collection that you're working on in school, like similar to what your, your interest in your brand is now, where it is um, friendly to animals and the planet? Yeah, it was still within that, that set of, values and guidelines um but I was trying to do evening wear Mm -hmm. um and then at that point I was also doing um like I kept my fabric scraps and then I was embroidering them onto the garment so it was more of a creative evening wear Mm -hmm. kind of design but I used all like organic cotton and like dyed with hydrogen peroxide and like um yeah just tried to make it as sustainable as I could um, but I, it wasn't necessarily as commercially ready, I would say. Whereas now it's um, more wearable, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of a common challenge. I mean, that's kind of maybe the point of school. is like you get to experiment and do all these crazy designs. And then like an actual job as a yeah. designer is less runway you know fashion but I think it can be just as interesting but do you find that it is as like creatively fulfilling even though you're doing more wearable pieces now or um if not are there other ways that you get to like use your creativity and design in your business now yeah, I think it depends on the collection and where I'm at, I guess, because I've I've made pieces that are just like a lot more simple and very practical um, and those sell well and, and do well. Um, but then I've also designed 
like I think finding a way where it's a uh, classic design but then adding a touch of my creativity that can also um, I don't know just make the design a bit more unique than what you can get everywhere else mm-hmm. that makes sense so yeah yeah so maybe the design details are more subtle and less yeah, yeah more understated but still give it that special that special element and um, yeah unique feature of an otherwise more basic garment mm-hmm. yeah even if it's like adding an extra style line somewhere or having a different shape pocket or something just like finding what works or like having a belt with like a coconut buckle so nice. yeah there's still ways to be creative mm-hmm. and design. And sometimes the the simple, what looks more simple, it, it can be super elegant because there's a lot of thought that goes into each detail rather than putting like a whole bunch of ideas into one garment. Like the simple garments can be really stunning too. Yeah, for sure. Nice. And also I think with the accessories, because I buy um from a local company that has like all the remnant fabrics that they collect from the Vancouver industry so like with those I can kind of be a bit more creative with maybe the different types of fabrics or colors so I kind of get a bit of my creative outlet Mm -hmm. through there through the like scrunchies or like bow scrunchies or we have like um like gift wrap so just different finding different ways to be creative but they don't have to be the main core products yeah yeah it's so true it's it's I mean I feel like with any brand you know you can make these like cool fancy window pieces but then everyone's like oh that's cool and they walk into the store and they're like do you have it in black or can I just buy a black t-shirt yeah you know it's it's always the basic pieces that sell the most anyway but then there's there's still a spot for like the more creative piece that is kind of the showstopper but it's not the one that's the bulk of the orders yeah totally so i'm curious what is has been the biggest challenge in running bell and tony so far and are you full-time with the brand um i'm I'm still working part-time elsewhere because the city i live in is very expensive (laughs) yeah and i think that's a common thing too a lot of the founders i talk to they are it's either they're splitting their time between two jobs or have a full-time job and the brand. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what has been the biggest challenge in these past five years of running Bill and Tony? Uh that's a tough one. I mean, I think like getting to that point where I could get a whole collection produced. Like I just and and figuring out how to run the business sustainably in the long term Mm -hmm. and sustainably like with my time and energy and then financially and everything because when I started I just I was kind of just in that designer mode not business mode and I was designing things and like hoping it would sell whereas now it's just just over the years learning how to properly market the product how to become a salesperson and like growing into that role as well Mm -hmm. um 
I think, I mean, every year I've learned something new and like grown from it. And I feel like I have a better understanding of the business now and how it works and how the industry works. But I think, I mean, all of it was challenging at one point or another. I think just learning how to be an entrepreneur and make the business work and understand it. I think just that in general was a challenge because I didn't have uh, necessarily like a mentor in the industry that could keep me going or even just um, being so like a solo entrepreneur, like just to have someone when you're kind of like second guessing things like, no, you got this, like you have to be your own cheerleader. So just becoming really strong as an individual as well to, to um, carry on and keep pushing and and try new ideas. So I think like all of that was a challenge, but it's also, I grew so much from that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and congrats on five years and kind of growing through mm-hmm. that because I, I think that's, that, that's a common experience with entrepreneurship of, having to like you get into it because of the craft or like because you love the business or the industry or the designing so much and then having to learn how to be a business owner on top of that Mm -hmm. it does take a lot of growth and like learning new things and being willing to willing to do that and so yeah yeah it can be all the extra hours Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's fun and I I think totally fulfilling, but it's definitely, it's definitely like a unique, a unique thing that it's like, you're always learning more about. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So on the flip side, what is something that you're the most proud of? I mean, I really love our new website, so I feel proud about that. Yeah, it did (laughs) Um, look beautiful. (laughs) yeah and I I don't know I think still doing my brand after five years like I I try to look back at like reviews that customers have left me or or messages or emails and just like I feel proud that I built something from scratch and it's had a positive impact on people's lives and I was even thinking the other day how like I it's just cool to have designed something and then um, done so in a sustainable way and then just thinking like that garment is in someone's closet somewhere in the world or like hanging on someone's drying rack and they're caring for it and it's something that I like created and touched and now it's part of their life it's just kind of a cool way like of being connected to other people mm-hmm. indirectly um, so I think just that I still have my business and even that I went for it I think can be proud about that so yeah definitely and congrats on all of that that's such a cool way yeah. to think about like being connected to all these other people through the clothes that are now in their closet yeah I think like even the work you do with like pattern making and design and stuff it's it's the same like you're like with the clothes like it's now on different people in different people's wardrobes mm-hmm. and such so it's a cool job yeah it really is I I love getting to see the final garments like on people or like if there's pictures from a pop-up shop or from from the brand where different people are trying on the same dress or 
just seeing somebody wear the final thing that I helped to make fit, you know, and seeing how they, the smile on their face when they wear it, it's, it's, that's probably my favorite part of the job. It's so rewarding to see people like wear something that I've helped bring to life. Yeah, it's it's so cool. And I feel like we can get caught up in like the busyness, but it's nice to take stock of like just that fact that we're, yeah, connecting with different people and and making an impact. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. Um, So I have (laughs) one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? Um, I think, I think like, um, well, our whole motto with the brand is to dress well and be kind to animals, people on the planet. So I think carrying that with the clothes and being kind to others and being kind to the clothes that you already own and, um, Mm. every little bit makes a difference, I guess. Yeah, the kindness and can go a long way. Yeah. I love it. Well, this has been so fun, Bianca, to get to know you and your story a little better and hear about what you're doing with Bill and Tony. Um, where can people find out more about you and Bill and Tony online? Uh, yeah, so our, our website is just bellantoni.ca. Um, and then our Instagram is at bellantonidesigns. Um, and then if you want to email us, you can do so through our website online form or just info at Bell and Tony and I'll, I'll receive that email. So it'll be me responding. Nice. I'll put links to those in the show notes so people can follow the brand and see what you're doing. And yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at alisonhainis.com newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-E-N-E-S dot com slash newsletter. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of How Fitting.